Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Betting Pros Podcast, brought to you by BetMGM. Use the code BETTINGPROS when you uh, make your first deposit to get up to a $1,000 risk-free bet. I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt at the Oracle, and here with me to talk NFL Week 9 market movement and power ratings is Mr. Power Rank himself, Ed Fang, the proprietor of thepowerrank.com. They've got a great newsletter. Be sure to check that out. And he's also the host of the Football Analytics Show, which, uh, Ed, I, I listen to every week. I have, as you know, I'm, I'm something of a, a, a podcast power listener. Yeah, That's one of the, the sports betting ones that I always listen to each week. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, it's an honor to put that together and, you know, really try to put some effort into getting some new guests on this fall. Still trying to get more and new guests. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, the uh, the episode that you did, I believe it was last week or the week before with uh, Cleve TA. That was a, a really good one. I mean, they're all good. They're all good. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, thanks. It was really fun getting him on. Um, had to move some things because he's uh, he's a busy guy. Yeah, he's doing a lot of different things. He talked about it a little bit with his finance career and stuff. But uh, I think that's kind of an example of people I'm trying to bring on. Someone who you know has a following. But, you know, I'm not necessarily trying to get him on because of his following to promote myself. Just I, I really want to see how different people think. Uh, love having you on when we're talking NFL drafts, uh, when we're talking Super Bowl props and and uh, trying to get a diversity of views, because I actually think that's the key to betting, the key to fantasy, like getting as many different data sources as possible, putting them together in a meaningful way. Yeah. Well, on the idea of, you know, diversity of views, you are a a math guy, you know, you've got the, the statistics background, uh, and you know, that's, that's one way people get into sports betting. Another way people get into sports betting is just say, I I like sports. Uh, I have these thoughts on this game. Uh, you know, I think one thing that's cool is that you do have the, the background to be able to look at numbers and say, okay, well, this number is off for this reason. And so I think there's an edge there. And that's some of the work that you are doing at the power rank. Can you talk about your website, uh, you know, the things that people can find there and how it is that you got into sports analytics? For sure. The power rank, uh, I'm trying to make that into the best resource for predictive analytics for people who want to bet on football. The main thing that people come by for is is my best predictions. Uh, they're available to, to members of the power rank. And again, it's based on this idea that we're, we're not just going to look at play-by-play data and come up with the best prediction. We're not going to just look at that one source. I mean, we I, I try to consult a variety of sources. There's a lot of market data in there. There's obviously the play-by-play because that's a inc- crucial part of uh, bringing it in as well. But also for the NFL, I have a lot of wisdom of crowd metrics that I use as well that – uh, are still meaningful at this point in the season. That's not how it started. Uh, it was over a decade ago. I was uh, in academia and uh, crying to get out. So uh, I, was, I was looking to do something different. And it turned out that I was, I was reading about Google's PageRank algorithm. And that algorithm is based on the same math that I did my PhD in when I was at Stanford. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, we should do something actually useful like ranking sports teams and scrape some NFL data together, put together some rankings, spit out some predictions, and and send an email to some friends, and people were interested. So I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And things just kind of grew from there. Uh, Put together a site, started writing about some things, and it's come a long way. Like, over a decade ago, I thought this was more about analytics and 
and content and pretty quickly realized that people who want to bet on games were the most interested in this. And so the site has evolved to uh, cater to, to people who want to bet on these games. And it's not just like the primary prediction as well. Try to break down um, the most important parts of college football and NFL teams. Uh, in the NFL, that really means looking at passing statistics uh, a lot more than rushing statistics. And I, I found that uh, passing success rate um, is the most predictive uh, of, of NFL statistics, particularly on offense. Uh, pass, pass defense tends to be less predictive. Defense tends to be less predictive overall in the NFL too, which I think is an important thing to understand. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals were first in my past defensive rankings before this past week and got completely annihilated on, on Monday night. And it's just one example of, of it's, it's more difficult to predict defense than it is to predict offense. So the site's come a long way. Um, you know, it's not just margin of victory adjusted for strength of schedule anymore. I'm looking at things like passing success rate, um, yards per pass attempt, and, and a lot of other, um, a lot of other metrics, anything that I can find that is predictive towards the future, I'm, I'm going to try to use it. So you, uh, you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned passing success rate. Uh, Cause I was going to ask, you know, out of the sort of play by play or, you know, like on field metrics, you know, what were some of the things that, that you look at, you know, people look at EPA, they look at yards per play, look at success rate. You found that success rate has the most, um, predictive value out of anything that and, and specifically passing success rate yeah passing success rate on offense is the most predictive statistic i found i actually just put together a patron only episode on, on my podcast about it and it was some work that i did last year and you know i mean it's it's more predictive than even epa expected points added that that a lot of people use it's it's more predictive than yards per pass attempt which i used for years before um, getting on the success rate bandwagon. Um, so it's a really important thing. It's not the end all be all of, of everything either. I, 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 and actually I've just been thinking Matt. like, I think I talk about success rate a little bit too much. Um, I kind of need to round out some things and because, because it, it can be a faulty number. Like I have the green Bay Packers fourth when I look at adjusted success rate and there's a whole host of reasons why that's too high. Um, we can get into them if you want. Um, but I I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in it. We, we will talk about, uh, you know, market movement teams that have moved up down in our power ratings. And I'll say like, I was, uh, very guilty of holding on to my prior on the, the green Bay Packers far longer into the season than I probably should have. But there were things that you could look at to sort of excuse why their play wasn't measuring up, you know, okay. At the beginning of the season, they were missing their two tackles in week one. They were without Alan Lazard. You know, they're integrating some rookie wide receivers. Uh, you know, Sammy Watkins goes out with a hamstring injury, which, you know, predictable, but still, you know, there are all of these things that, that pop up that you can sort of contextualize to say, okay, they've underperformed, but I still think the prior has a lot of significant weight because he's Aaron Rodgers and he's in the system and these other things will write themselves, but they haven't righted themselves at least not yet. So yeah, we can, we can certainly have the, the conversation uh, about the Packers. You mentioned uh, wisdom of the crowds and, and bringing that into or layering that on top of the, the play by play type of analysis that you have. Can you talk a little bit about blending the two? Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, 
I mean, there's a lot of different ways, obviously. I mean, th- there's a market component of, of what I do, and that's obviously wisdom of crowds in terms of the closing line being a very accurate predictor. In fact, the gold standard of what we can say about predicting these games. Uh, another component where I use wisdom of crowds is in the preseason. So um, this kind of started when I learned that the preseason AP poll in college sports was in was a kind of astoundingly accurate predictor. I think this started <laughs> yeah. in college basketball and Ken Pomeroy and Nate Silver were talking about using the preseason AP poll to predict the tournament, which on the surface just sounds crazy because it has uh, you know, it knows nothing about what happened during the course of the season. And, and everyone's going to tell you data analytics, you know, like how do we do that best based on what seems like a sizable sample of 30 some games. Um, it, it turns out the preseason AP poll, if you just look at tournament games on a neutral site and you just make the simple prediction that, the higher ranked team, the preseason AP poll should beat a lower ranked team. Any ranked team should beat an unranked team. I think it's like 72% predict 72% of game winners. Uh, something astounding. Uh, I did a study in 538 and showed that that was, it was, it was a couple percentage points better than the RPI. So that was the the ranking system that the, the tournament committee used to use. So that was kind of a fun, fun article. So, the, the preseason AP poll is predicted because of wisdom of crowds. No one pollster is going to have the perfect poll, but you put enough of them together and you get a very accurate, you get a very accurate assessment of te- team strength, how much talent that these teams have. And that shines through much later in the season. So I started doing that for the NFL, you know, every year. And so I grab about 20 subjective power rankings, usually from the major, uh, uh, you know, the major outlets, the ESPNs and the Bleacher Reports and uh, of the world. And and I actually try to pick stuff that that are not calculations. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't go to Football Outsiders and grab their rankings or anything like that. I try to get stuff that's subjective in, in the hopes of getting some kind of diver, diver, in the hopes of getting diversity. And it's the same idea. It's I'm trying to create a preseason AP poll in the NFL. I found it to be really predictive. Uh, I actually did a study this year, like the last couple of years, it's been as good as some preseason metrics I do based on the betting markets, which really should not be true, but it, it has been over the last two years. The, the the data from the win totals, I think has been better if you look at like five years or something like that. The last couple of years, um, this little really dumb <laughs> wisdom of crowds model, dumb in the sense, you know, like simple. Be, yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are just a lot of talking heads that you probably might individually not pay attention to, you know, um, like someone from the NFL network saying, oh, actually, I was just I just had this on when I was eating my lunch. Like, oh, the you know, the Niners are better than the, the Vikings because because I just like the way they're going, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So so people like that. I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting from. And, mm-hmm. and the beauty of this is that the wisdom of crowds, you put enough of these together the errors kind of cancel out and you get some signal there. And um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty powerful thing that I've used. And I think it just means that like, I try to get diversity into my model and I really try to go for that. And I'm always trying to go for that. That's kind of how I try to improve things every year. Uh, One thing I didn't add them in this year, but you know, one thing I'm learning is a lot of people are doing these studies about how much the preseason matters, preseason data, uh, matters in predicting the outcome of the the current season 
And you can kind of say, oh, yeah, well, maybe that matters for basketball. Actually, well, it's actually kind of surprising. But there's been some people that have done some work that shown that preseason games, the results in those games, basketball, baseball, football, even football, uh, has some has some predictive value. I'm not sure how well that worked out this year. Um, I didn't put them in my model, but I did do some calculations on the three preseason games that every team played. I actually adjusted for strength of schedule uh, with my algorithm. And uh, I do remember that the Raiders were at the top. So we do need to look at that. We need to look at how things are changing as we go to like fewer preseason games. Um, but uh, I mean, that's, that's something I'm potentially looking to put in my model next year as I can back test and figure out more um, how accurate it is. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the Raiders for uh, a couple of reasons. Um, you know, the, the first is that uh, I have a plug that I need to give at some point. So I might as well give it now. It has to do with Josh Jacobs. Uh, if you want a chance to win a signed Josh Jacobs, Las Vegas Raiders jersey from Pristine Auction, subscribe to the Betting Pros YouTube channel right now. Uh, comment below on this video, and that's it. We'll announce a winner on the channel. So turn on notifications so you can see when new episodes are up and to claim your prize. Okay, so that's the first thing needed to get the Josh Jacobs plug out of the way. Uh, Dunzo. The number two reason why I'm glad you mentioned it is because uh, I was, I would say, like obstinately opposed to a lot of people uh, in the preseason whenever they were talking about how great the Raiders were going to be. And I just, I looked at this team. So it's weird. Like they are better actually than I thought they would be just kind of in some underlying metrics. Um, but they're, they're still, yeah, I mean, they're, they're not a good team. They're a team that doesn't win football games and, you know, under eight and a half on their season long win total was one of the, the strongest positions that I had entering the, the season in part because of them in part, you know, because of some quirks with their schedule. I just looked at it and I was like, this, this feels like a very strong bet here. And uh, you know, unless they really run the table in the second half of the season, it looks like that bet has a very good chance of cashing, but very good, yeah. what do you make? Of, of the Raiders because it, you know, there are times when they look incredibly competent uh, and you can sort of see like, okay, they're doing this with the organization. It makes sense. And then last week they go out a, a big shutout loss uh, on the road against the saints. What are your thoughts on the Raiders? And I, I like how far you have, you have obviously the power rank, you've got rankings, NFL rankings on your site. How much have you adjusted the Raiders from the beginning of the season to where they are right now? Yeah, I mean, it certainly hasn't been good. Um, I could certainly make, I mean, my case for the Raiders preseason would have been, hey, they added Devontae Adams. I've always liked Derek Carr as a quarterback. Like, you you have Hunter Renfro and, and, um, and Waller. Like you have all the ingredients there for a great pass offense. Okay. You have issues on the offensive line. You lost a lot of people on the defensive side of the ball. I get that. But, you know, again, pass offense is the most predictive thing. So that hasn't been the case at all. Uh, they started as like a slightly above average team and they're getting downgraded. Um, not, not by a ton. Um, they're, they're below average team now. Um, but you know, this is, I mean, Derek Carr has led when, when you look at passing success rate over the last couple of seasons, you know, this has been a top 10 unit, top five unit, even some seasons. And it's a little bit surprising um, that they haven't done better. Uh, they're 21st when I look at passing success rate adjusted for who you've played 
that's a disappointment given the weapons that he's had. And I know, I know Waller was out a couple games, but um, yeah, no, I mean, definitely, you know, they're, they're just not getting it done at this point. Right. Like they were supposed to be that fourth team that could really shake it up in a division that looked amazing. And well, a lot of things have happened to that division. This is since the start of the season. Right. Absolutely. So a, a couple of teams, uh, a few teams that have moved up the most since last week in my power ratings, uh, the Panthers, I had them as the, the dead last team, uh, in my power ratings. Now they're, you know, I think like second to last, but they looked like a team that was just absolutely about to fall apart. They had fired Matt rule, traded away some pieces, uh, but over the past two weeks, this team has played, you know, like they, they, they feel a little bit like last year's lions in that they're out there competing, trying to win. And they are a talent deficient roster, but they are still giving it everything that they have. So I, I looked at them previously as a team that was just totally dead. Uh, and now I have a higher opinion of them. I've also bumped up significantly since last week, uh, the Seahawks and the Dolphins. Uh, in part, you know, the Dolphins, their offense is starting to click again with uh, Tua at quarterback. They did just make a, a trade uh, at, uh, for Bradley Chubb at the trade deadline uh, in Seattle. You know, I feel like I was maybe, uh, you know, talk, I talked earlier about, you know, holding on to priors. I maybe held on to the prior a little too strongly of Seattle being a bad team. Uh, and, you know, Geno Smith being not a great quarterback, but he's looked like a great quarterback this year. And uh, so now I'm just, I'm making that adjustment L- late as it is. I'm, I'm making the adjustment of, uh, I think, you know, Seattle, we have to see if their defense can, you know, do for the rest of the season, what it's done in the past two or three weeks. But, you know, I'm just kind of making the adjustment of Seattle is not an awful team. Maybe they're around an average team. Those are kind of the bigger moves that I've made uh, since last week. Do you have any thoughts on those teams? Absolutely. I mean, Seattle is definitely one of the teams that that I made a move on. Um, mine is all algorithmic. So it mm-hmm. will take data from the current season. It will keep adding it to metrics like yards per pass attempt, passing success rate, both on offense and defense, and it'll make an adjustment. And clearly when you have the results that Seattle did over this past week, uh, it definitely moved them up. When I do things algorithmically, like the one thing that that I would note, you know, everything I do uh, gives a team a rating, which is how I produce predictions. Um, in the NFL, the changes are pretty small. So the, the biggest move was, you know, not not even a point. So a team is not going to move a lot any one week. And I've actually found that I don't I don't do that anymore in college football because I found that wasn't aggressive enough uh i found in college football i can get more accurate predictions if i make very aggressive adjustments so you know it's not not uncommon to for a team to go up two three points based on a performance and and i've just found that um to be better in terms of the air metrics uh in the nfl i've found that not to be better although you can certainly make the case that this year is changing everything as you know green bay and tampa bay have certainly not performed like we expected them to this preseason. Philadelphia is just absolutely astounded. I think anyone who follows this sport. Um, So, yeah. So, you know, I don't think there's any right way to do it. I found in the past that um, things tend to regress in the NFL. Uh, Chris Andrews talks about this. He's the, he's the, he's the 
the manager of the South, uh, South Point sports book. And he always talks about, you can follow momentum in college football, but you'll get crushed following momentum in the NFL. And so far, you might not be getting crushed in the NFL this year if you're following momentum, if you're following these Eagles, if you're willing to lay 14 at Houston on a Thursday night, uh, it, it might pay off. Um, we should talk about that game, but yeah, but, uh, yeah, I think the general approach I think is, is, is interesting. And I think this NFL season in particular in 2022 is pretty interesting because it's breaking some of the rules so far, at least with certain teams. Yeah. So, uh, you are high or you made a move this week on the Seahawks. Uh, you also made a move on the Browns. Uh, what are your thoughts on what we saw on Monday night football? Yeah. I mean, what we saw was a big disappointment. Um, I actually just put some uh, futures bets on, on Cincinnati before that game using some of my metrics and uh, some of the unabated calculators. So that was a disappointment. I actually had the over in that game, which looked like a colossal failure at the end of the first half, uh, but ended up pushing at 45. So that was kind of nice. I think we had seen a lot from Cincinnati in terms of their offense, in terms of getting in the shotgun and, and a lot of, a lot of points. I want to say that they just had a bad game on offense or, um, Oh, you know what else was interesting? Like, you know, Jamar chase, like the news that he was out, didn't really move the total or the it, side that much. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't. And, and I think you can, I, I mean, I want to say, Hey, well that total should have gone up. So it really should have closed 46. That's what I think. And it didn't because Jamar chase means a point or something like that. Right. Um, I thought that was interesting. Um, so, you know, I think, I, I will stick with Cincinnati probably had a bad game here and Cleveland had a, a really good game here. Obviously Cleveland gets the benefit of the doubt. Uh, they, they are the other big mover that I wrote down uh, for this past week, but I certainly don't, don't think that means the end for Cincinnati. And this is a team that like I was just making fun of all throughout their Super Bowl run last year, how they're not that good, yada, yada, yada. And now, you know, they're, I mean, after a rough start to the season, they've been pretty good over the last couple of games, they were actually first, when I, like I was mentioning, they were first in my passing success rate adjusted for opponent. And I mean, that's too high. They're, they're not the best pass defense in, in the NFL. That's just, that's just not a true statement. But, um, but yeah, I think we saw that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, they're, they're definitely not the, uh, the, the best pass defense after losing cornerback, uh, Chido Bay uh, yeah. he's out for the year, um, with an, an ACL tear. Uh, and honestly the, the Jamar chase injury, like I try not to, to react too much to any one player being out with injury. Um, but chase, he's a really important part of what they do on offense. You know, he opens everything up for everyone else. And, you know, with his yak ability, any given reception, he can turn into a long touchdown. And so they are the team, uh, the Bengals that I have, uh, downrated the most, uh, from last week, uh, I've knocked them down a full point, uh, and Houston as well. The Texans, like they just, they feel like a team that is just dying. And the thing is, and we're, we'll talk about Thursday night football, even with knocking them down a full point from last week to this week, I'm not getting anywhere close to 14, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like, I, part of me just feeling like I need to knock them down more. Like I need to, I need to like approach this market number 
to make my overall power ratings a little more representative of reality. But those are the two teams that I've really knocked down. And then the Rams, not quite as much as the Texans and the Bengals, but still uh, a significant amount from last week. Uh, I thought what they showed against the 49ers was pretty disappointing. You know, they looked good in the scripted portion of the game. But, you know, uh, at the end, they just they did not respond in the second half and they just got absolutely boat raced. So the Texans, the Bengals, the Rams, uh, thoughts on the moves down for those teams? Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with anything that you're saying. I I definitely want to chime in on the Rams because I actually love the fact that I had Rams plus one and a half at home against San Francisco. Got some massive line movement as the Rams ended up favored by one or one and a half. I don't even know where, where it closed at. At most places, you, t- you pat yourself on the back. They're up early in the first half. They're they're up in the second half, and then it just all fell apart. And, you know, I mean, you know, kudos to the, to the Niners. Um, the Rams were a team that I was kind of making fun of towards the end of the playoffs last year, too. I remember when they played Arizona, I was like, these teams both suck, right? This is the whoever wins this game is 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 not going to uh, go that far. And obviously, they they played their best football in the in the playoffs and and won the Super Bowl. But I think we're kind of seeing that you know they they have some problems, and um, you know maybe I mean I mean they may they may get it back together, but a downgrade on the Rams is is certainly justified after what we saw. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So let's, uh, any other, any other teams here? You mentioned, you mentioned the Packers, uh, earlier in the show. Uh, I suppose it's worth talking about them from the beginning of the season to now. Do you know how far they have fallen in your rating? So to, to put some numbers to this, the Rams have dropped the farthest in my ratings, 4.25 points after them. Uh, the Colts, you know, part of that is tied to uh, benching Matt Ryan, but there's also been significant underperformance there. Uh, I have the Steelers uh, down 3.5 points. Uh, oh, can't forget uh, the Broncos down 3.75 points. For me, um, I guess I'm still holding probably a little bit stronger to the prior than I should. Both the Buccaneers and the Packers are down 2.5 points for me from where I had them to start the year. Uh, where are they for you? Yeah, um, not quite as much. I've certainly downgraded on uh, Green Bay, but it looks like about a point and a half. And part of that is the the passing success rate stuff that that I was telling you about before. That the one of the biggest. I mean, it is the biggest part that comes from the play by play data, and they they actually look pretty good on both sides of the ball. Of course, one metric doesn't capture everything, and when when you look at a little bit more of their explosiveness. When you look at yards per pass attempt, they're they're much more NFL average there, and you can certainly see why that's the case, right? I mean, with all the not having Devontae Adams, losing Randall Cobb, and Alan Zard didn't play this past week as well. Um, you know, I mean, Aaron Jones is by far their most explosive threat in the passing game, and that you know he's he's a great player as well. So I, I did a pretty deep dive into Green Bay this week, and when when you look at uh, points points they've scored, uh, they're like 26 in the NFL. They're not that bad on offense. Uh, a lot of things have happened such that they, they just haven't scored as many points. So, example in uh, the game against the Bills on Sunday night, they they had almost 400 yards of offense, 
uh, a lot of that was explosive plays in the running game in the second half. And we're a little unlucky to score only 17 points. They failed on two fourth downs in Bill's territory. So things like that uh, have, have, they haven't been scoring as many points as the underlying metrics suggest. Now, can we make the case that this is a top five offense? Absolutely not. Right. I mean, there's somewhere near the fat part of the, the, the middle in the NFL, but you know, is there potentially some value uh, with the Packers? Um, I think so, especially since they're playing what I think over the last two years has been the worst pass defense in the NFL. Uh, and that would be the Detroit lions. Um, there's, there's been nothing good about them, even with the issues that the Packers have at the receiver position. Um, I, th- I think they're going to have success against a, a really poor secondary. I also thought, you know, a lot of things have been made about Aaron Rodgers and the thumb and, and whether that's been an issue, you know, from the, the game on Sunday night, I, I can't say that I thought it was an issue. I didn't, I didn't think he was really off on any of his throws. I actually thought he was pretty decent. He doesn't have the weapons downfield that he would like. But I, I, I mean, maybe it's an issue, and and but or, or maybe it was an issue two weeks. I, I'm I'm not sure that it's an issue. I think the Packers are like maybe a slightly better than average NFL offense, um, which is better than the points per game suggests at this point. All right. Well, let's get into talking about uh, some of the market. Uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at our uh, betting pros odds page right now. And, you know, I, I didn't have it on the outline, but uh, you just talked about Green Bay there. And I, that's an interesting line uh, to me, right? So in the look ahead, it was three and a half. And we see the Lions this weekend. We see the Packers and it opens at three and a half. It's as if like the bookmakers, like they set the line at three and a half, expecting to move one direction or the other when they reopened on Sunday and instead they were just like, you know what? We're just sticking with the three and a half market. You tell us what to do. And uh, this morning it was at three and now across the board, it is back to three and a half. What, what are your thoughts on, on this line here and, and the, the movement that we've seen? Yeah. I mean, I, I bet green Bay minus three this morning. So I'm pretty pleased that it got off three already. Yeah. You know, I mean, the line straight away, TJ Hawkinson, which I, which is probably their, you know, second most important weapon uh, at the skill position. Um, so I, I, I don't believe in the Detroit Lions team. I'd like to living here in Ann Arbor, but I just, I just don't. Um, and, and particularly, I don't think that defense in the secondary is good. And the Packers aren't good, but they're better than they seem. And, and I think having, haven't gone pretty deep. I, I, I believe that to be true. And and I know their fans don't think that, but um, they're, they're not as bad as, as I think they're being portrayed as right now. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, gotten in trouble yeah. for that because I really, man, I mean, I really liked them against the jets a couple of weeks ago, which was the, which was the disaster. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I like them against the Lions. Yeah. So uh, I mentioned earlier uh, the Colts is a team that I've I've downgraded quite a bit in the power ratings, and I'm looking at at Colts at Patriots. And in the the uh, off season, right, you'll have sports books that put lines out way in advance for all of the NFL games, and they don't take a lot of money on those. So you know, there's always a question as to how accurate, how predictive are those numbers. At the same time, you have professional bookmakers who are hanging these lines, and there are people who are betting them. So there is some value there, uh, and so this line. Uh, for 
the Colts at the Patriots in the off season. This was a pick them uh, on the look ahead. It was six. The early line was six and a half. And now it's been bet down to five and a half. So, you know, we've gone from pick them to six and a half to five and a half here. Uh, I think, you know, going towards the Colts, that feels like the correct direction at the same time. Sam Ellinger, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, a sixth round quarterback who now has one start to his name uh, and a team that just fired their offensive coordinator. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I say like the number that I, I generate can say that the Colts is the right side at the same time. Can I see how they lose by 20? Like, yeah, I could, I could see how something like that happens. What yeah. are your thoughts on this line here? Yeah. So when I, when I run my model, I have new England by about three, but obviously that considers the Colts with what we expected Matt Ryan to do. And, and Matt Ryan as as the quarterback, that's clearly not the case. Um, one of the things that I try to do to distinguish quarterbacks is to, um, to, to look at the markets and to see how the markets have adjusted. And you can, uh, I mean, I mean, you essentially look at all the closing spreads and, and you count different quarterbacks differently. And you look at how it, you adjust for who you've played with my algorithm. And, and then you can kind of get an estimate for how much worse uh, a quarterback is. So you have to make an adjustment for Ellinger when, and, and, and this is tough, right? Because the markets had one crack at saying how good the Colts are with Ellinger. But with Ellinger, with that one game, the market would, my market model would make New England about a five-point favorite, which is pretty consistent with, with what we're seeing uh, in the market. It seems about right to me. I mean, you know, Mac Jones comes back first full game, and I think Mac Jones is good. So, you know, when he's, when he's going to get some more games under his belt, you know, for them to be five-point favorite, they're on the road, right? No, they're actually at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Patriots I mean, I think, at home. I think five-and-a-half, six makes makes complete sense here. Yeah, I have this at 5.25. Uh, I, I grabbed it at six and a half. So I'm maybe a little bit biased in my perception of, hey, I, I think the Colts look great here. Uh, the line should keep on moving towards the Colts. Yeah. Uh, okay, Bills at Jets. I mean, oh man, uh, this this number, I mean, we will see when it really starts to get some resistance here. But uh, in, the, in the off season, this number was seven. It makes a lot of sense. In the look ahead, it's 10 and a half. It opens at 12 and a half. Uh, and I am looking now uh, at, at our odds page here. Uh, at BetMGM, this number is 13 right now. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it could easily get to 14. Like, we can we can see how it gets there. The Bills... You know, they didn't cover on Sunday Night Football. Before that, they were covering large spreads, and they were covering that number for a large chunk of the game. Uh, the Jets have lost some some key players, you know, uh, despite Zach Wilson's, uh, you know, 300-yard passing performance. He didn't look all that good this past week. And no Brees Hall, no Elijah Vera Tucker, who's the best run-blocking offensive lineman that they had. Um I think that Jets offense could really struggle against a Bills defense that if it's not the best in the league, top three for sure. Uh, where do you where do you see this line going? And what do you think of the movement we've seen so far? Yeah, I mean, my number is 
bills by about 10. That's too low. Uh, obviously part of the reason is that I have the jets in the top five in terms of pass defense, which is too high. Uh, they've faced a string of backup and rookie quarterbacks. So for example, when they played Miami, they faced backup quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, who got hurt after I think a single pass attempt and Skylar Thompson played the rookie played the rest of that game. So that's how we're evaluating, you know, the jets uh, there. The bills came into the season as a Super Bowl favorite and they've they've done nothing but play <laughs> right. like a Super Bowl favorite. Yeah. So um, you know, you mentioned their defense. Yeah, I don't think their defense gets enough credit at all. They're probably missing their best best or second best player in Tredavious White, the cornerback. They've looked awesome. And so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not, you know, in the in the you know, the the Bills also seem to have this sense about them that they they try to go out and they try to score a lot of points. And so it seems like, you know, if you want I mean, I'm not betting the bills here. I think the, the spread is big enough that that would keep me away from it. But it's a time, type of team that that does tend to cover these big spreads. Um, you mentioned the injuries for the Jets. I, I, you know, at, at a couple weeks ago, the, um, Brees Hall and and um, Garrett Wilson, I think, had the most targets on that team, like the two rookies, right? And now one of them's hurt, and they got all kinds of other issues at receivers. I'm not sure Zach Wilson is all that good. Um, yeah, some people might be sure that he is not good. Some, some people right. might be strongly on, on the other side of that. Yeah. Well, but, but then, you know, then you have the other people that, what, what have they won? Like five in a row now or something like that, or, or four and one. Yeah. Recently? Four and one in, in their last yeah. five. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that's their Zach Wilson statistic, right? Right. The guy comes back and, and they're winning football games. It's good to be a winner. I mean, it's, it's better than it's better than losing. It's better than sucking and losing. Uh, but uh, yeah, he he has not looked good. Um, another another game. I want to get your thoughts on Seahawks at Cardinals. Uh, this to me is such an intriguing game here. So you know, in the in the off season, this number was six and a half seven uh, towards the Cardinals. On the look ahead market last Thursday, it was three and a half. And I got to say, like, to me, that was like a, an auto bet. That was just like a snap, uh, a snap bet right there. Because um, I Wait, just thought for, regardless for on, on the on the Seahawks. Yeah. Got it. Uh, and and so I just thought kind of almost regardless of what happens, like I had my number, but I just I felt this is not going to be three and a half. Like this, that number will not be available. Get it now. And it opened on Sunday night at two and a half, uh, pretty quickly went down to one and a half. And as we are talking right now, uh, that number is, uh, it was one earlier and then it, it's met some resistance and now it is back up to two. So it looks like, you know, we've reached that like market equilibrium point of where that number probably should be. But what do you what do you think about this number here? Yeah, I mean, this is a game that I have I've made Arizona as about a three point favorite. Um, I would lean that way. They they did get DeAndre Hopkins back recently, and again, we're looking at a small sample size, right? So Seattle, Geno Smith, he's been great. I'm looking at my passing success rate, and they're 11th after I adjust for opposition. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's probably too high, right? I mean, can he elevate this pass offense to league average? Yeah, I, I, I think he can. I mean, 
should he be knocking on the door of a, of a top 10 pass offense? I I'm not convinced about that. So between these two things, I would definitely lean towards, towards Arizona here. Yeah. And, so, and, that's, and that's the way you have seen the market move today. Yeah. I saw the Arizona minus one earlier today as well. Yeah. And it, it, it met resistance there. And so I have this projected, you have it projected around minus three. I have it projected around minus one. The, uh, the market is at minus two. Uh, you know, that, that seems about right. You know, like all, all seems right with the world there. Uh, okay. Titans at chiefs. Um, I don't know, Ed, how, how you tend to, to feel about, you know, like, Oh, I should have just grabbed this number. I didn't grab it. Like now it's gone. And uh, you know, you, you don't seem like the, the kind of person who, who hates yourself about stuff like that. But you know, there are times when I look at something, I'm just like, Oh man, I should have, I should have grabbed that number. And this is one of those instances where in the in the offseason, looking at Titans at Chiefs, this number was minus six uh, with the, the Chiefs favored. In the look-ahead market, it was 10 and a half, the same as, you know, Buffalo. And with Buffalo, I had this sort of like thought of there's no way, regardless of what happens, unless there's a Josh Allen injury, there's no way this number gets down to 10 because it would just meet sudden resistance and a decent chance it moves in the opposite direction. And, and that was right. I didn't have that same thought here with the chiefs and I, I absolutely should have. Um, so, you know, it uh, was 10, ha- 10 and a half in the look ahead market. Uh, it opened at 11. It is now 12 and a half, uh, at most, at most books here. Uh, and I mean, I don't know, I could see it going to, to 13, 13 and a half, 14, would still not surprise me. Although like Mike Vrabel is an underdog. That's not someone I, I tend to want to bet against when he's in that situation. And, you know, Malik Willis threw the ball just 10 times against Houston. Although I, I imagine that Ryan Tannehill will come back for this game. Uh, and I I'm imagining that has to be baked into the number here, but this number has moved well, a lot. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what do you, what do you think it is? I mean, this number getting that high suggests to me that Tannehill might not play. Um, if so, Malik Willis is playing in this game, if he is the starting quarterback in this game, man, like I think this number has to be like 17. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it has to be high. And and the, again, like Tennessee was playing Houston last week. They were up and they asked the rookie to throw it 10 times. He will have to throw it more than 10 times because it's very likely that they're going to be down later in the game. Yeah against the Kansas city chiefs. So, um, yeah, 17, I, I can't see it getting that high, but, but I, I hear what you're saying. Like it, it's at least 14, if not more, if, if we find out that Willis is, is going to start this game. And, um, so you think that there is, uh, within this line that we see right now, maybe some uncertainty about who is starting for the Titans this week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, if, if Tannehill were playing, I would make this eight and a half. I think that seems a little bit low. You know, you're, you're going to give the Kansas city a little bit of credit. So um, I think, you know, Kansas city minus 10 seems about right. If we knew that Tannehill was playing. So to me, this seems the the market's hedging a little bit. And and the fact that Willis might be, might be in there. What what was Tannehill's injury? He had like an ankle or something. Ankle and then illness. Okay. You know, so the the illness at the end of the week, it seemed like that was the thing that was sort of like the nail in the coffin of like, okay, he's not playing this week. But 
you know, even though he didn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday with the ankle injury, it seemed like it seemed like he was trending towards playing, like wasn't going to practice, but would gut it out and play. So I, I think he probably plays this week, but uh, man, it, it will be interesting to see because the Titans, they are, they're one of those kind of squirrely teams as underdogs to where like, you never know. Like, never know. I mean, they, they've upset, they've upset the chiefs before, you know, yep. uh, they, they've done it before. Uh, all the, right. They had Go a ahead. big upset of the bills last year too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they they were the number one seed uh, last year for <laughs> for reasons uh, you know unbeknownst to to mankind, but known yeah. to the the gambling gods, uh, they were you know they were the number one seed. Um, all right, Thursday night football. This this game is is unreal. Uh, we've got the Eagles at the Texans, and in the it's not like anyone was respecting the Texans before the season started. But this number was five and a half in the offseason, nine and a half on the look ahead number. And again, this is just one of those situations where you're like, I look at how much this number has moved and I'm like, you know what? I'm a little bit upset with myself for not betting it when I when I saw like, hey, there's probably some opportunity here. At the same time, I don't want to be the person who's betting massive favorites. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I got to have some principles somewhere. And this is the arbitrary line where I, I decide to have some principles. But I mean, nine and a half in the look ahead market, 13 in the early lines. I mean, it's 13 and a half in the market now. It feels like there's a pretty good chance this number gets to, to 14. Uh, you know, 13 and a half, actually, yeah, 13 and a half at BetMGM, 14 right now at DraftKings, 14 a points bet. Man, what what are you doing with this with this game? Because I will say, I am showing, you know, theoretical value on the right. Houston Texans here. Right. And there is no way I want to bet on them. If it gets to 14, I might think about it. But in terms of like the power ratings, I have this projected at 11 and a half. And, you know, in theory, that's enough value to bet on the Texans. But you get to a certain point in the season where teams just start, they start tanking, they start rotating players in to give, you know, backups a chance to see if those guys can be contributors in the future. You know, they start experimenting with different schemes just to see. It's like, you you start the like the gap between the great teams and the horrible teams starts to widen in the second half of the season. And I think we are at that point. And so although I'm seeing theoretical value on the Texans, man, I just I don't know if I have the uh the the fortitude to bet on them. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I see again theoretical value on the Texans, but I would I would not bet this. Um I mean, you can kind of make the case, you know, Philadelphia has been great. Uh, Jalen Hurts has been good. Um, you know, they're, they're league average and passing success rate adjusted for opponent. They're, they're 16th. So, um, but there are winning football games and Houston is not a good football team. They're, they're right near the, the bottom of the NFL. Again, you know, like I, I probably should run my college football model, the one that's more aggressive and to see where they would put this line. I think it would, it would definitely be in double digits. Um, but I know that kind of model doesn't apply as much to the NFL. Um, it, you know, the NFL tends to be, you know, again, you, tr- I try not to follow momentum in the NFL. 
you got to break rules sometimes. And <laughs> this be, might be one of those cases. So it's, it's a tough one. And, but who knows? I mean, maybe the, you know, the Thursday night curse of no points will come and it'll be hard to cover two touchdowns. I mean, that, that is true. If, uh, if there are a few points scored, it is easier for the, the underdog to cover, especially when it's such a massive number. Where is, where's the breaking point for you? So let's say it's 13 and a half now, 14 at a couple of books out there. Maybe you're not grabbing it at 14. Yeah. If it yeah. hits 14 and a half, are you like, right. okay, okay, 14 and a half. Now that I've got the, like the hook upon the hook, now I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because as a better, you have to be able to bet any team at, any, at some number. Yeah. Let's say 14 and a half. Let's say 14. Let's say 14. We'll, we'll see. Maybe I, I was going to say 15. You talked me into 14 and a half though. All right, Ed, uh, thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time to talk. Um, power rank, give us one more plug on it and anything else you want to talk about. I know you've, you've got a newsletter that you do. Yeah, no, I've been really proud of the newsletter. Uh, I started doing something called seven nuggets Saturday, uh, about a year ago it comes out Saturday. It's just, you know, small little tidbits, whether they be bets or news injury report um try to put a little in a little humor there i've been trying to ramp it up a little bit this season um asking some friends of mine that are pro sports betters for little tips in there as well uh some of them have agreed to, to help me out with that so it's it's something that i've been proud to do it's, it's like a curation of other things out there and i think there's a wide variety of things to try to this time of year try to put some nba stuff in there We'll try to include some baseball when the time is appropriate. Um, so yeah, just part of my email newsletter. I also talk about games that I bet and, and the reasons why in terms of my metrics. Uh, so you can check that out at thepowerrank.com. All right, Ed, awesome. Thanks for joining the show. Uh, that is going to do it for the week nine edition of uh, the Power Ratings and Market Movement episode. Uh, I'm Matt Friedman. Everyone have a great day.